Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to a new episode of Field Days, an award-winning podcast about news and hot topics related to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Here are your almost witty hosts, Chris Gouts and Greg Straub. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Field Days podcast. I'm Greg Straub, joined as always by the department spokesperson, Chris Gouts. Well, Chris, you know, we really try to you know share with everybody some of the programs we have. Last week it was the dog programs that we have throughout our throughout our prisons, which was fun. Uh, it was a fun topic. Who doesn't love puppies? You know, it's a it's it's a great topic to talk about all the cool programs we have um, across our facilities and prisons and in the fields. And today's no different. Today is um, I know one of your one of your favorite programs that we have inside of our prisons. And um, you know, I've I've seen it on the news. I've seen, Juju Chang actually came to Michigan, right? And, twice. Uh, twice, okay, and interviewed um, our guest today about uh, this program. So it's 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 a very well known program across the country. Um, you know, our guest today brought it to Michigan, and we're excited to talk to Scotty Barnes about this. Scotty, you are the founder and president of Forgiven Ministries, right? That's right. Can you tell us kind of, uh, you know, you know, give us a little bio about you and where you've been throughout your career? I can. Um, well, I began uh, in prison ministry in 1995, but really, to be honest, probably prison ministry began when I was a little girl. My dad went to prison when I was four. He was in and out of prison five times. His last time was as a drug kingpin in Lexington Federal Prison in Kentucky, and there he uh, died there. And it was just a lot of uh, rejection, a lot of hurt, pain, um, shame. I think the children of inmates experience a lot of shame. But out of that life, uh, I've been able to identify with the families and the children of inmates. And I think that's why God chose me to lead this program in the beginning. I, I was a Christian uh, 30 years before I ever said, God, what is it you want me to do? And he immediately uh, put me on the fighting force, let me tell you. I hadn't prayed that too many months before I was sent to the Philippines to speak on forgiveness because I did have to forgive my father of many years of hurt and rejection. And so while I was in the Philippines, uh, I met a a little orphan named Ezekiel and Ezekiel was 12 years old his mom and dad had set him out the gates of Trash City in Cebu when he was two he had lived there 10 years just eating out the trash uh, anyone there that would take care of him and now an orphanage had picked him up at 12 years old and was schooling him and he had one request he had heard my testimony of forgiveness and how I prayed 32 years for my father to love me. And he wanted that woman from America to come pray with him that he could find his daddy and ask him why he didn't love him. So uh, I ended up at an orphanage in Cebu praying with a little boy named Ezekiel. And I remember thinking when I left, this will be the only time I see this little boy, but I really pray, God, that you will let his father be part of his life. And inside every child is a hole that only a mom and dad can fill. And they search and they search for that and they seek it. And that's why we see so many gangs. We see so much prostitution. We see so many kids going into drugs. They're just searching for that hole to be filled by acceptance and love. And so the next day I was in a prison in the Philippines. I had been there all day speaking, sharing my story. And I was leaving, and I heard an old man holler to the top of his voice. And the officer said, will you go talk to him? He needs to tell you something. And so I walked down a path to a man, old, feeble, dirty. They slept on the ground. 
And he looked at me and he said, today I asked Jesus into my heart. Well, he had heard me tell all day long over the loudspeaker how to know Jesus. And then he looked at me and he said the most amazing thing I've ever heard in my life. He said, I have a little boy, ma'am, and his name's Ezekiel, and I don't know where he is. And I need to tell him I love him. Wow. I could not believe what I was hearing. It only been less than 24 hours since I'd prayed with Ezekiel. And now I'm standing in front of his father. And I said, I met your son yesterday. And immediately God said, I want you to go back to America and help inmates and their children reconcile. I could not wait to get to that orphanage. I was there as fast as I could get there. And I took Ezekiel in my arms and I said, son, God has found your daddy. And he loves you and he wants you to come see him. And that night I, I bought a birthday cake. We have birthday cake at every camp. I bought chicken and they cooked rice and we had a big party in the alley in the Philippines. And that was the first one day with God camp in 2003. Six months later, we brought them to America. And uh, today in 2018, we have 40 camps this year in seven states. Many of them are in Michigan. Thank God for that. Yeah, that's a that's a wonderful story, Scotty. And uh, you know, let's talk more about the program you mentioned, the One Day with God program that you know that that you brought you know, throughout the, throughout these prisons and across the across the country. What is the what does the program consist of? What do you do with One Day with uh, in the One Day with God program? Well, we realize that we only have one day. We really it's a two day program, sir. The first day we spend with the inmate parent, mother or daddy. And we try our best to uh, instill in them the responsibilities, a God-given responsibility. So we teach them a lot about being a father, being a mother, forgiveness, that's a key role in it. Um, what do your children need? How, how can you talk to your children tomorrow? What if they ask you why you're there? How do you tell a five-year-old why you're in prison? We try to help them through all these different things they could face on Saturday. They uh, pack their children's gift bags. They make a craft for them. We do a forgiving ceremony where they try just to empty their heart out of a lot of bitterness that they've carried since little children. And then we get ready for Saturday. Saturday's when we bring the children in. And uh, we don't bring the guardians in. There's a reason for that. There's a lot of drama in the families. A lot of times there's two or three different mamas with two or three different sets of children, so that could be very confusing if you brought them in. We believe it's a time for that child to have an opportunity to reconcile with their daddy or mama if they choose to. You know what? They may choose they don't want that. And that's something that the daddy will be responsible for in talking with them, loving them, proving to them over time that he really is going to be that father. So on Saturday, it's games, and it's birthday cake, and it's crafts, and it's, um, gosh, lots of things, praise and worship. Um, we have a time, a quiet time. We have a, a workbook that the dad and the children work through, and in that workbook, they learn about each other. That's one of my most special pieces. And then um, they give them their gifts. They bless their children. They speak good things into their lives. And the quiet time is when they sit alone without their mentoring team and talk to their children. And I pray that I'll tell the daddies, if you don't mean what you're saying to them, it would have been better that you not be in this program because their life is filled with broken promises. I don't want another promise to be broken to these children from their parents. So 
that's a little bit about what happens. It's a great time. <laughs> it is, Scotty, and I can <clears throat> I can say that because I know I've been to a, a, n- a number of these now. Um, uh, and, and most of them, when, when you were there, which is always great, it's such an added dimension. When you're there and you can tell your personal story uh, about your you and your father, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. you forgot to mention that people that go absolutely need to bring Kleenex. And uh, for the facilities that have done it more than once, they keep extras uh, on hand because you definitely uh-huh. need them. Um, I, I know that a lot of work goes into putting this all together, and you, you're, you're traveling a lot and organizing all the families. And I'm sure it can be very daunting. And after doing it for so many years, um, I'm sure that it, with anything, it becomes a little more difficult. But I'm sure that each week when you do these and you hear these stories, it must reinvigorate you and, and want you to keep keep going because the the stories that you hear and then the lives that are changed uh, must be pretty special. It is, Chris. Um, I'm 71. I'll be 72 in December, and um, you know a lot of people have already retired and are going to Walmart to eat gravy and biscuit with their friends. But there's a passion within me that God put there. The passion drives me. Every camp is another set of children, another set of parents, another story. And uh, if I can just make a difference, I, I really believe this. If we can make a difference in a child, we may not have to see the state repair them as an adult. And so um, I, I don't want to retire. <laughs> I just want strength and help to be able to continue doing what I do. Now, we have some great leadership, and and I think as a minister, I'd be very foolish not to be putting in place people because, you know, at my age, and anything can happen. Of course, anything can happen anyway, but I want to make sure this ministry succeeds me. And and a ministry that dies with the founder, I'm not sure it was in the right place to start with. I think it needs to go on, whether I'm here or not. But in Michigan... You have now two teams. You have a team on the uh, west side, and then you have the other team that originally uh, led by uh, Gary. Uh, and then on the west side, you have a church that's leading a new team. So that means we can do more camps in Michigan. Isn't that awesome? That's pretty awesome to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you're the first state we've had two teams in a state before, so we're excited about that. And you have a pretty long history uh, here in Michigan. How long have you guys been doing it in Michigan? Uh... Well, we've been there nine years this year. Um, last year we celebrated, we had done 53 camps. Um, I think we'd served uh, close 1,400 inmates, uh, 2,000 children, and 881 family members. And I didn't mention this um, uh, during the camp, while the camp's going on, we take we make a special program for the guardians of the children, the caregivers, and it's an all-day event, and they really are being blessed, and it's a special day for them. And you know, the thing I think about so much in any prison situation, the families, the children, they don't have anybody that understands where they are in life. They don't have anybody they can talk to. So at the camp and at the caregiver event, they're among people with like lifestyles. And so they're so comfortable, and they open up and share. And we have over 5,400 volunteers in the state of Michigan. So pretty amazing. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's, I want to circle back some, to something you said just a, a little bit ago about um, you know breaking that that cycle of, of criminality in, in the generations and the families because um, the first camp that that I uh, witnessed uh, was also the one that uh, ABC's Nightline uh, came and, and filmed and, and if you can all you, all you have to do is Google you know Nightline and Forgiven Ministries or One Day with God and you'll see this but and I remember you were there and I'm sure you you've seen this clip a number of times but there was one a young man who was there who was there to see his father and. He wasn't going to be let in because he had a tether uh, on his ankle because he was getting into trouble himself. And typically, our policy is that we don't allow individuals who are currently on tether to be to go into a prison for a visit. And at the last minute, we had we we felt that it was best for him to be part of it because of of what he might experience in this program. And it was it was really powerful because they ended up interviewing him and, and he got to see there and, and be with his dad and he got his dad got to talk to him, hopefully instill in him that. You know, this isn't the right path to go down, but he also got to see that his, his father loved him and cared about him and wanted to see him succeed. And so I think just that one example uh, happens, you know, multiple times at, at all of your camps all around the country. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, um, I see that little boy's face all the time in my heart. I I thought about him. I, he didn't live far from the prison, but he hadn't seen his dad in 10 years, I believe. When he went outside, no one came to pick him up. So I had him sit in our car, and I told him, I said, I will take you where you need to go. And then his mother arrived, and he looked at me so desperate, and he said, thank you, thank you. And uh, just just this year in November, we have a camp coming up, and a daddy has two boys, one already locked up and one under probation. And I'm really praying I can get at least one of those children. See, I think they need it worse than any of the children. If that daddy's ready to pour into their life good knowledge, good training, good advice, I I just think it means a lot. I think it'll go a long way in that child's life. Maybe them not ending up serving 20 or 30 years in prison. Well, Scotty, you know, I'm sure you have a million stories like like that uh, of that individual. You know that that I do want to get into a little bit later, but first, you know, having you know having not the knowledge that Chris has of this program, I kind of want to get into some of the nuts and bolts of this. So, so the children, the kids, actually go inside the prison, right? And they see their they see their mother or father. Um, they they there's some events for them to take part in with with their family members, with their mother or father. But how do you how do you select the children? Is is there a process for them to there notify is. you? There is. Thank you for asking that. Um, you don't just come and be in our program. We realize we have to make a goal setter for these inmate parents. So there's a strict criteria. Um, sometimes the, the parent, inmate parent can't keep that. So they're, they're taken out of the program even the day before the camp if they break the rules. But number one, um, they, of course, we have no sex offenders in our program at all. And then if a child has been uh, part of the crime, I'm talking maybe not just seen the crime, but been actually hurt or something in the crime, we don't want to bring a victim in to a daddy and then also they have to be between the ages of four and 17 right before they turn 18 and the daddy or mama has to stay infraction free 60 to 90 days i think up there you have some prisons make it a little longer but we ask that it be 60 to 90 days and uh, you know when a daddy thinks more of smoking a cigarette on a yard when it's definitely a state rule they don't then apparently he doesn't want to be a daddy and I don't want him in the program I'm pretty strict about that so I believe if you really want to be that dad your child desperately needs you can obey the rules to be in this program so and then we leave it up to the state to choose who's 
actually in it uh, using that criteria. Yeah, and, and you know, when Greg said that, it, it kind of dawned on me that, you know, we've been talking about it because, you know, we've, you obviously are so ingrained in this program, but for those who have not experienced or haven't seen the, the clip, we should probably just explain that this isn't a typical visit. I mean, prisoners can have visits with their kids, you know, whenever, pretty much whenever they'd like, um, but this isn't in the visiting room. This is in a gymnasium, and they spend the entire day uh, in there. So it's, it's much different and a, a much different and more richer and fuller experience than just sitting in the visiting room across the table from somebody. May I comment on that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is what's so amazing about this program. For one, from 10 to 5, uh, they actually are like they they can be a, a dad and a child, a mom and a child without they can hold each other. They can sit on each other's lap if they're little. They can uh, lay on the floor and work in their workbook. I, I guess I can sum it up like this: a little boy after first year I ever did camps, he's now gonna be a dentist. He's that many years ago, but he wrote me a letter and he had written it himself and he said, "Thank you for the one day with God camp." I'd never seen my daddy eat. I'd never seen my daddy eat a hot dog. He eats it just like me. He carried me on his shoulders. I weigh 86 pounds. He said he'd have carried me if I weighed 186. That was the best day of my life. You know, that sort of sums up why it's different. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, you know, we should also mention, too, that there are occasions where the fathers show up and for whatever reason the the child doesn't whether it was the the the, the spouse or, or the boyfriend or girlfriend overseeing or the family member doesn't want them to come or the, or the child you know can't make it for whatever reason and the first time i saw that happen i, I thought it was you know unfortunate but as i've seen it happen at, at other facilities it's, it's sometimes um, one of the more memorable parts of it because the other prisoners and the other children really embrace that individual, and, and, and you don't turn them away. They, that person, that prisoner stays there for the entirety of the day, and at first I was like, that might be kind of cruel, like he doesn't get to see his child, but he, as you see it, and I've seen it happen at several uh, different facilities, it's that person I think almost gets as much, if not more, than some of the others because... It's rare to see the prisoners embrace another prisoner and really care for them and bring them into their fold. And another thing about that, uh, we they pack gifts for their children on Friday. They write a letter to their children, and there's a lot goes into getting them ready for their children. But uh, if the daddy's children do not show, we mail the children their gift bags and their letter and their workbook they let the daddy fill out that workbook i was talking about and when that child gets also a picture a photograph of their daddy that we send that if that child gets that more than likely it was not the child's fault they didn't come and they get that and they say daddy's not mad at me because i didn't come and we in texas one year we had six camps a daddy waited on his children at the gate for him to come and they didn't come he didn't come and he was turning 17 that would have been his last camp and the daddy looked at me and he said I'm going back to the craft shop I just can't take it another year and he walked down to the craft shop and in came his little boy 17 years old and we went to get him and I'm telling you what a time his daddy been in 20 years he'd been out long enough that the little boy was uh, born but uh it, it was amazing. Now that daddy's out, he and his son are like, oh, they're glued at the hip. And um, he was his best man at his wedding. So we encourage the daddies, don't give up. Don't 
give up. It's not the children's fault many times they're not here. Let's give them a chance. And let's sign up and see if they won't come next year. So pretty amazing. Well, uh, you know, you may not know this, Scotty, but in the last probably two or three years, we've hired about 15 new wardens. And so we've got a lot of new leadership and a lot of people who may have not seen this camp. And so um, I was looking at your schedule, and I see that you've got camps in Michigan coming up at Carson City on September 8th, uh, the Oaks uh, on October 6th, uh, Richard Hanlon, MTU, uh, on November 3rd, and then the Macomb Correctional Facility on December 1st. And so I would really encourage... Any of any wardens out there who have been around for a while, or some of the some of our newer wardens who were just hired, if you've not seen this camp, I would really encourage you to, to go and and spend your Saturday at one of these next four uh, camps, the last four of the year, and tour it and, and and see that and see that, and so that you can go back and and call up Scotty and ask her to bring it to your uh, facility uh, the next year or the year after, because it's I think every every ward and every staff person should see it, and I've actually seen some FOA staff. Uh, that have come uh, to these uh, things because they're going to see these guys on the outside once they parole. And so I really hope that more people uh, will be encouraged to, uh, to come and, and see the camps this year and then hopefully bring them to their facility next year. One of the exciting things is I'm seeing now, I've been in it so long, uh, we're seeing inmates who have been out and can come back in now wearing the blue shirts as a volunteer and bringing their 21, in North Carolina you have to be 21, but bringing their children with them to volunteer. The children that were there when they were eight and nine years old. And, man, that's amazing. We're just seeing a lot of that, maybe even ten this year. Isn't that something? Your volunteer corps is, 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 is truly amazing. And uh, actually at our women's prison earlier this year, uh, there was a couple who had, I think, been at almost every camp uh, that the, the women's prison has had, and they actually celebrated, I think, their 40th or 50th wedding anniversary um, at the at the camp. That they, they were so dedicated that that's where they wanted to spend their wedding anniversary. Uh, just okay. just shows you how much heart and dedication these volunteers have, because you couldn't do it without all those volunteers. We do. We've had, uh, we've got probably seven, 8,000 volunteers total. And uh, let me tell you, uh, Jack and I spend every anniversary in prison. I don't think we've been out of in the last 15 years, but uh, we're very happy doing that. But these volunteers give because they are drawn to this work and they put their whole heart in it. Uh, you have some great volunteers in Michigan, awesome volunteers. Well, Scotty, you know, this program is, um, you know, it's it's making a difference. It's having an impact on um not only the offender population, but but their children and their family to stop that, you know, that cycle of incarceration. And what you are doing is is amazing. And I know you said you're 71 and you're going to be 72 here soon. Um, don't retire, please don't retire. Keep <laughs> keep doing what you're doing. I because don't want to. I'm so happy doing what I do. I come to the office every day. I mean, uh, just this year I've started a ministry in Death Row in North Carolina. So I try to go once a month to Death Row and uh, spend the day on death row for the women's death row. And it, it's, there's so much work to do inside the prisons. Um, it'll never, it'll never, I wish there were no prisons, but there'll always be a prison uh, because that's the heart of men's deceitful and wicked. And, and But you know what? If we can even make a difference in one family, that could change the whole direction of the next generation in that family. So. Yep, you're exactly right. It, it, the ripple effect is um, unknown until... 
you know, years down the years on the road, possibly. So what you're doing is making a difference. We, we thank you so much for coming to Michigan and bringing this program to Michigan. I know you're doing this across the, across the country. Thank you for bringing this to Michigan and thank you for uh, doing what you do every single day of your life. Uh, we can't thank you enough for the impact that you're making. And I thank the Department of Correction in Michigan for accepting us, opening their doors and supporting the work. Uh, thank you. That's amazing. I, f- I feel like we have a, a good working relationship from the Office of Forgiven Ministry with Michigan Department of Correction. Well, we agree. And uh, thanks for sharing your story and thanks for taking a little time. I, I know you're a long ways All away, right. um, taking some time out of your day to, to share your story uh, and coming out the old days. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. That was a great interview with Scotty. I've seen a lot about this program, but I've never really got in depth into what it you know what it is, who who's, who hosts it, and uh, so it was good to learn a little more about the the One Day with God program. And uh, well, I know you're you're very familiar with it. You've you've seen the news. You've been involved with the news articles. Um, why don't you talk? Who who is who's done an article on this program before? ABC News or? Yeah, ABC News. Uh, Juju Chang uh, has been here uh, twice. Once in Muskegon and then once at the women's uh, facility. So I would encourage people if you don't know anything about this program and you haven't uh, seen it before, uh, go online. Uh, we, I know we've provided links to it in the past, but you can simply just Google uh, Nightline One Day with God, and you can see the the, the two stories from from Michigan. And uh, make sure you definitely bring your Kleenex because yeah. they are tearjerkers. They, yes, they are. So we, you, you know we had this week, Chris. We have a shout out. And it's from one of our friends of the pod. It's uh, Lieutenant Charles Lovins from the ARU. Charles wants to give a shout-out to Kyle Davenport down in the HR um, office. He said, working with our HR department, Kyle always took great care of our team. He quickly responds to emails and, and answered his phone. Anytime one of my team members had an issue, Kyle was there to solve it. We wish him good luck uh, in, his new en- in his new endeavor. With, with, uh, he, he's, he's leaving us. Chris, you, you did know that, right? I didn't know that. Unfortunately. Yes, unfortunately, Kyle is leaving us. He's uh, going on to bigger and better things with other state departments. So, yeah, we're, we're, he he will be missed, especially by uh, Lieutenant Levens in the ARU. Well, yeah, myself included in that too. So, yeah, thank you, Lieutenant Levens, for letting me know about that. So, even I learned some things on the podcast, which is very sad because Kyle was uh, a great resource uh, to me and, and to a lot of staff here that were helping uh, supervise people and going through uh, there's so much paperwork and, and there's so much uh, going on that you need to know and, and Kyle was always somebody I could immediately go to and get information from very quickly very knowledgeable so yeah. it's great when you have people like that it's just sad that we're sad that we're losing them and hopefully everybody noticed a little change of the format here hope you enjoyed today's podcast and we hope you tune in next week uh, to a new episode of Field Days Podcast Alright, as always, thank you for listening. We'd love it if you would help us spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by subscribing to the show on iTunes and leave us a review. You can always follow the department on Facebook at MI Corrections and on Twitter at Michigan DOC, as well as the FOA account at MDOC FOA and the CFA account at MDOC CFA. And you can send any questions you have to the show using the hashtag AskFieldDays. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Field Days Podcast.